0: in the days after black friday we were given some new treats a new broncos quarterback and then the lakers came to town yeah i don't have any (laughs) (laughs) Uh, welcome to the denver (laughs) i'm quinn i'm derek and we're back after a week off for thanksgiving and quite a lot happened. The landscape has changed quite a bit in Denver sports. Yeah, since truly last has, we talked. Yes. The CU Buffs football season is over, as is the CSU Rams football season, and their coach is going to resign. Um, the Denver Broncos started a new quarterback. Yeah, buddy. The Colorado Avalanche got Miko Rantanen back and had quite a home-and-home series against a – rival if you can say that's what the chicago blackhawks are now where they just completely rolled over the blackhawks so that was fun and then of course there is the denver nuggets uh our our fair nuggets um yeah they
1: had been on a six game win streak blew a 17 point lead on a saturday afternoon game which are always weird like I'd never go into those games with any expectations. Uh, really, against the Kings, you were like, oh,
0: they're probably not going to win this game. No, I was like, <laughs> I
1: get to care less than I normally do. So instead of giving 100% of my emotions, it was like 82%. Uh, but yeah, a, a weird game that they blew a lead and lost. Um, and then one of the marquee matchups this uh, early in the season, the Los Angeles Lakers came to town last night. Uh, the
0: Nuggets got to debut their Black City Edition jerseys, and um, and I I must say, so I watched it at the Blake Street Tavern, which was not very hopping. We actually tried to go to the Cherry Cricket, but their Direct TV satellite was broken from the storm, and so they couldn't show the game. So then we went to Blake Street Tavern, and I think that those I was worried at the beginning that they weren't going to show up on TV, but they show up so much better on TV than the white skylines do. Like, I think the white skylines look better in person from the little we've seen. But on the floor, when you're zoomed out on TV, I think the blacks look better. The numbers are clear, and you can still get the colors mm, on mm. the rainbow jerseys. But uh, you also watched it on TV, Yeah,
1: right? uh, which marks the first time I've gotten to watch the Nuggets. Um Legally and
0: and if you're right. not paying attention, it's not because altitude and Comcast have come to a reconciliation. No,
1: not at all. Um, but shout out to Directv. Um, they seem to like have a lot of. Uh, business at bars so i was driving around listening on the radio very anxious at the start of the game uh, trying to figure out what to do with my life for the next two and a half hours and out of the corner of my eye i see a tv screen and i'm like that looks like a jamal murray in black city edition jersey so whipped in ran in and boom there are denver nuggets On TV, so marks the first time I got to see it this season. Um, A shout-out to Nate, the optometrist, who sat down next to me. We, I was going to stay for one quarter and ended up staying the whole game because uh, Nate and uh, Michael, the Scottish Liverpool fan, um, we are the three people in the bar that gave even Iota of a shit what was happening on the screen and um, got to watch the whole thing play out in frustrating, unclimactic glory as the Nuggets ended up dropping that game to the Lakers. One Oh five to 96.
0: And the Nuggets did get it to 97, 96. They were right there and then completely fell apart. But that was kind of the whole game. It was, they got off to an early lead. I think they were up five, nothing. And then they had one other lead in the game in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And otherwise they couldn't keep up with the Lakers for a number of reasons. And I, just to say this, if you haven't been following the NBA that much, the Lakers are the best team in the West. They have the best record. And the Nuggets have the second best record. Well, now they have the third. Yeah. Um, But going into it, they at least, percentage-wise, had the second best record.
1: But it's been weird because the Lakers have played three more games than the Nuggets. So, like, it's a very disproportionate lead that it looks like they have just because they've played more but also have won more games. So... Um, yeah, you said they couldn't keep up for a variety of reasons. What do you think is, like, the number one thing that doomed the Nuggets?
0: Well, I mean, you can probably hear Cricket in the background, and I think she agrees with me. Cricket's (laughs) the dog. Um, That I think one of the big problems is the size matchups that the Nuggets have. Early in the game, they started JaVale McGee with Anthony Davis and LeBron, and the Nuggets had no answer for any of that. They were getting out-rebounded. They didn't get a rebound, I think, in the whole first quarter on either side of the ball in that uh, at least late into the first quarter, they didn't have one. Will Barton was guarding LeBron, which didn't work at all. He's just too small. And I think that one of the things the Nuggets will have to think about with this matchup is do they make some changes? Do they play Plumlee and Jokic together more? Do they decide to take Barton or Harris out early in the game and not start them and have Grant start just so they can get some size? Is Bull Bull going to have to just come just for the Lakers <laughs> games? Well, and
1: notably, uh, Torrey Craig did not uh, get any minutes. with um, Last year, I think he played very valuable minutes guarding LeBron
0: in uh, their matchups. This did seem like a weird game to be like, we're going to run... Ha- well, first, the first substitution was Wancho, which I actually thought was a really smart move by mm-hmm. Malone because they were having energy problems. And he's sort of their spark plug now. But then he kind of went all in, and he was like, we got Wancho, let's put Beasley in, too. And Beasley, uh, again, did not make any three-pointers. He just shot – he shot long 2s mm-hmm. And you're just wondering, is that really – in a game where you're struggling to guard everyone, is that a game where you're just like, Torrey Craig doesn't play?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, one shout-out to the bench, because the starters came out looking sluggish, and they went out to a five-point lead, and then I think there were, like, two back-to-back turnovers um, – with Jamal just trying to force it. He settled down. I think that was the only two turnovers he had in the game. Um, But the bench played really well. Monte Morris is getting in his groove. The Nuggets, I think, besides the size, because they could just not stop the Lakers in the paint at all, I think they were out-rebounded by 20, um, was that they just couldn't hit shots either. I think they were under 20% from... three while jacking up more than 25 shots and that's going to doom you against most teams but especially lakers team that really seemed to be able to score at will when they had either davis or howard or mcgee in the paint um and yeah this so i think there's like silver lining in that if we can get a game which it, I don't know if it's happened yet, where both the bench and the starters play um, very well. That I mean, if you knock that three percentage up to thirty-two percent, the Nuggets are close to winning it. But they just could not get any momentum. As soon as they would close the gap, <laughs> there would be a like vicious alley oop, or I think most devastatingly, an absolutely insane putback dunk by one. Alex, your goofy Uncle Caruso, um, that took a lot of air out of the stadium at a point when it looked like the Nuggets could get a momentum run going, um, but they just they looked sluggish and really kind of unprepared for the challenge.
0: And no, no one more than uh, Nikola Jokic, who continues to just underwhelm. It was I don't actually know how many points he finished with, but I don't think he broke ten. Oh I think
1: he was 9 8 and
0: 5. So that's 4 games in a row that he has not scored above 10 points. His he had weird turnovers where he's just not it's like he's not focused on making the passes which is his thing. And it really just doesn't look like he's interested in running this offense in any way.
1: Yeah. Um I mean there's already been enough hot takes on Twitter and Reddit of now it's now is time to consider trading him. Um which it's not, it's not, that's a
0: terrible, there's never a time to consider trading him unless the team completely falls apart and you have to start over. Yeah.
1: or Unless he decides to like, Hey, I want to be a star in New York or something, which is complete antithetical to his personality. Um I'm not concerned yet, but I think a lot of people are overstating his like lack of interest in playing. He just wasn't hitting shots. He was four of twelve from the field, and just was never was never in a rhythm. And he has a smart enough basketball IQ to not waste possessions. Um, was later in the game if he's not feeling it. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis is a killer when he plays against the Nuggets, anyway. And Nikola Jokic for all his talents is not someone who can match up well against an uber-athletic six foot 6'11 uh, dude who can spread the floor like Davis. Uh, so we were outmatched there. It was just, unfortunately, we seemed outmatched everywhere else, too.
0: Jamal Murray also didn't bring much leadership to the game. I thought he took a lot of really bad shots. I think that for a lot of reasons, this really turned into, including, uh, a lot of reasons including the way the the refs were calling the game late in the game the nuggets just started looking for foul shots that was a really bad strategy mm-hmm. but i do i do think the nuggets need to need to change their offense because the free flowing offense that worked so well at times last year and 2 years ago just doesn't exist anymore like when was the last time where you felt like the offense was flowing and it It's just, this is what Malone has always wanted to do with the offense, is control it from the bench. And you can't do that when Jokic is the guy you're running the offense through.
1: Yeah. I It, it just, it doesn't seem very inventive right now. Like, the way the Broncos' offense is getting criticized, at least the play calling is like uber conservative, um, which is like kind of oxymoronic in that, the offense is supposed to be free flowing but it looks slow and um like um hesitant where and the, the, I think right now they're um slowest in the league like their pace um fewest possessions per game um so I don't it's it's tough. the defense has carried us to a 13 and 5 season so the nuggets aren't in any way that sky is not on fire it's just a matter of like you see this team you see the product and the potential and they're just not working towards it and that's in large part because your centerpiece player Jokic is not taking over the way that you kind of hoped he would but the good team is good enough if everyone else is hitting their shots that we can have our superstar put up an incredible stat line of 9, 5, and 3 or whatever um, and still win.
0: Well, and I think, I, I think that's true. But I think that the problem is that we are judging the Nuggets at a higher standard. And we're judging the Nuggets at a standard of your competition is the top six teams in the West. Like, that's who you need to focus on. And the Lakers being the top of those teams and a team that is going to be the hardest, I think, even than the Clippers to beat, because the Nuggets have a ton of guards. They can guard the people they need to to at least, you know, stop something on the Clippers. Like, I still think, you know, that's an incredible combination, and Kawhi may be the best player in the league, but you have that. You have, you know, you have problems with all the other teams, but all the other teams are guards. They don't seem to have an answer for the Lakers defensively. And if the offense isn't going at the pace they were going, where they were averaging 110 points a game last year, you know, when they were good, I don't know how they have a chance against the Lakers at all. Yeah, that's...
1: Like, I wake up some nights just thinking, like, oh, the Lakers used to suck. They sucked for so long. And that that era is now over. Um, I don't know. I want to... I want to see growth from this team. We're Judging them based off the expectation that um, save for a few bad plays in one game and an overall shitty three quarters in game seven, that the Nuggets were damn near a lock for the Western Conference um, finals last year. So we're judging them based on the fact that they are a team that has to be seen as a contender at this point. And I think it's, I had to remind myself of watching the game. Like it is the beginning of December. There's still so much time. You see growth in uh, Jamal Murray. Still, I mean, dude's twenty-two. He's still got a lot of time to become uh, like elite IQ point guard. Um, but his numbers are increasing. I cheer anytime he has more than five assists because that's like what you need from your point guard. Um, Gary Harris, he had a great game in Sacramento. And I think 25 points, but almost all of them came in one half of the game. But the dude is still, I would say at this point, uh, all-NBA guard, uh, guard, two-guard, and defensively. And so I'm seeing that growth. That's there. We've yet to see much from Michael Porter Jr., but that's because everyone else is playing pretty well. But you then look at a team through the eyes of your superstar, and Jokic just – he'll get it. So I'm not worried yet. But, yeah, we're judging it based off of, like, number four in MVP voting last year, dude. Yeah.
0: Well, and, I mean, I think – I'm with you. I think Jokic can get it. My concern is why aren't the coaches putting him in a place to succeed? Yeah. And it, again, goes back to Malone's need to control the offense, which this is not a team – Like, you need to control the fact that Murray and Barton take bad shots. Barton has done great at it. Murray's kind of hit and miss. Other than that, they don't need plays. They don't need all of these things. They need, we're running routes. We're going to cut. We're going to move. We're going to let Jokic figure out what's going on on the floor. Yeah. And that, to me, is the thing that has just gotten worse over time and not better. And it isn't just like this year. It's like, it was the best two years ago. We saw flashes of it last year, and we haven't seen it at all this year.
1: Do you think that's like teams are now scheming around it? From the eye test, I don't see that, but is have they figured out a way to stop Jokic's facilitation?
0: Maybe. It just seems like they're running too many plays and not enough plays that Jokic is the... It just feels like it's too controlled. Mm, mm. And I just think... They do, they're do. they a team that can do well in chaos, and I would rather they try. Yeah, I so. mean,
1: the Lakers looked chaotic AF last night, and it worked great, and the Nuggets were kind of swimming the whole time.
0: Well, and when Golden State was good, they didn't run plays. It was a disaster, and but it worked, because there was too many good people in there. Yeah. And the, what was everyone mad about all the time? Too many turnovers. Like, that was Steve Kerr's big problem with Golden State the entire time they were good. Too many turnovers. And if you win it doesn't matter,
1: yeah, well, I mean, you can turn the ball over if you're able to put up more shots that go in, and yeah. right now, the nuggets' pace really hampers that ability um so boom, nuggets go on a four game road trip uh starting Thursday in new York um which hopefully an East Coast road trip <laughs> against the Knicks uh will really help build their confidence. Uh, for them to come back, because they play the Lakers again in just a couple weeks in L.A., and then a Christmas home game in Denver for the first time since 2013. But it's it's interesting. We have to remind ourselves they're a 13-5 team, number three in the West right now, have quality wins against the 76ers, Rockets, Celtics, and yet there's so much left to be desired.
0: Yeah, and I think if you think about this the way that NFL teams think about it you want to be playing your best football in December same way here like the Nuggets if the Nuggets play their best basketball in March and April they're in good shape yeah so um moving on to the Denver Broncos so sad news mainly just for Quinn Brandon Allen is no longer the starting quarterback (laughs) of the Denver Broncos I believe a month ago Quinn was ready to proclaim Brandon Allen the starter for life (laughs) for <laughs> the Broncos, and now that era seems to be over forever. So I'll let you reflect on that before we move on.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll meditate on it for a second. Uh, you know, ooh, pig sweet, uh, the Razorback way of life. Uh, live fast, die young. Brandon Allen, thank you for your two games of service. And yet, I'll say, dude's going to still be on the roster. So, you know, any given Sunday. Uh, yeah,
0: the the New York Giants thought they'd moved on forever, and uh, Daniel Jones is hurt, and Eli Manning will be starting, it looks like, the last four games of their season. So. Well, just
1: in time for them to be eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, I think a great farewell tour for one of the most the low-key goats in the game, uh, Eli Manning. But your st- proclamation uh, presumes that Drew Locke is the future quarterback of the Denver Broncos.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think...
1: It was a slow, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Even slower, yeah.
0: It's uh, it's the hope, right? And the hope has not been dashed after one game, which is not what we could say about Paxton Lynch. <laughs> True. Um, I think... So in his first game, he threw two great touchdown passes where he seemed to understand that if you just throw it up to Cortland Sutton, Sutton will catch it. Yeah. His second one was a really good throw. The first one was a lucky, like, one-handed grab by Sutton. And then the Broncos just decided they weren't going to play offense anymore and we're going to just run out the clock with a 17-point lead. And it almost backfired on them. But luckily, the refs called a penalty on a long throw by Locke when the game was tied in the fourth quarter to seal the field goal for his first victory.
1: Yeah. Um, when in doubt, be playing the Chargers because uh, I don't know how many Chargers fans are out there But God bless y'all, because it's been a rough... I think, like, the last three seasons, they've been way better than their record shows, but it's just been, like, late-game bullshit that's...
0: Well, last year, I think they were, like, one of the top three teams in the West. They just were worse than the... Or in the AFC, they were just worse than Kansas City, Mm -hmm. and then it just fell apart on them. From what I've heard, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers um, can't sell any season tickets. They look bad, the Rams look bad, and that new stadium's supposed to open for yeah. both of them. It's, uh, it's about a nightmare scenario for Stan Kroenke, who it was reported, I think last week, that the original cost of the stadium was $1.8 billion. That has now gone up to $4.2 billion. It's all his money. Like, he's the guy. Wow. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of increase for that's him.
1: Qu- quite. quite, um, and I've made it a... Habit of not feeling too bad for billionaires, and so I'm not gonna break that streak now. But Lord have mercy. Um, well, I mean, the Rams luckily have the Los Angeles fan base compared to the Chargers.
0: Compared, yes. Yeah, they um, have not sold am- the amount of season tickets they need to, and so that's really been the problem. So I think, anyways, back to the Broncos. Yeah. So it's go
1: well, it's nice some Schadenfreude. Yeah. To Shit on a team that's
0: worse than us. Well, they're already down. <laughs> At least, no, we haven't called them San Diego yet. So I, that was a huge, huge thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was impressed enough with Locke. I really like his passion. I wonder about, it's. he said that he's arrogant. He said he's an arrogant quarterback, which on the one hand, this is the Denver Broncos best known for John Elway very arrogant
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and
0: rightfully rightfully so. But we'd all take Peyton Manning who at least played up his humbleness a little bit, at least with the media. Yeah. And I do, I do think that that is something that is either going to go great or it's going to go Baker Mayfield. That's something that concerns me. I also just don't know exactly. I mean, we don't know what we have. He played one really good quarter.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, outside of Peyton, in the last several seasons, we haven't had a quarterback who was like demonstrated a belief in himself, really.
0: There was that great call that he called an audible on the route that Sutton r- ran on the first touchdown, where he just said, You're going to go out. Joe Flacco, NFL champion, Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco was afraid to change the play calls. And Drew Locke was willing to change the play calls in his first game. To me, yeah. that's huge.
1: Well, I mean, that's why I, I like a quarterback who expresses arrogance, whether they deserve it or not. Because you had Flacco who was aloof for the first what eight games or so, um, and there's just there's been no character or presence behind the center in the last couple of seasons. So. Go ahead, Drew Locke. Uh, The dude's got, like, big game experience playing in the SEC, which, like, you can't say for a Trevor Simeon from Northwestern or a Paxton Lynch from Memphis or – well, Brandon, you were also an SEC quarterback. Um, I'll I'll miss you. But (laughs) uh, I don't know. It looks like we're going to have Drew Locke for the rest of the season, so it'll be a great test, like – Is he worth building on? Do we need another quarterback in the draft? Um,
0: Yeah, the Broncos' only goal is to figure out if they need to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Like, winning doesn't matter. I mean, they're 4-8. and You know, they and the Chargers now have the same record. They're just blowing their draft position, Um, which I guess is all fine. It's just, like, the only question is, do you need one of those quarterbacks? Because the quarterbacks, there are going to be a ton of quarterbacks this year, and I guess... They could be the worst team in the league next year, and maybe get a quarterback next year, but probably not.
1: I don't. I think the Broncos have consistently done this now. I don't think that there's been any quarterback that has demonstrated that they are like the next generational guy. Like we were talking about Justin Hebert from Oregon at the beginning of the season, Trevor Lawrence. Both of them have had rocky seasons to say the least. So there's no. I don't think besides Joe Burrow who's definitely not going to um be on the board when the Broncos draft. And even then like LSU was a super talented team, great defense. Um there's just no guarantee that any quarterback you draft will be good enough to definitely be number 1. So then you have a quarterback battle for the people who Liked Locke, or at least want to see what Locke has, and then the people who are like, "No, we need a new guy." That's just going to be another quarterback battle that didn't serve either Paxson Lynch or Trevor Simeon very well. So, at this point, I would say, no, give, play to win to give Locke the like real in-game experience. Continue to build the um, play calling uh, for him, and see where he goes. If he sucks, he sucks. And then we'll probably get a second-round quarterback who is still going to be tough. But we still need an offensive line. I would love to see, like, on top of, um, like, LaVisca Chenault coming out of CU as a receiver. I'd love us to just get another marquee piece like that to compliment Sutton and Lindsey. Um, yeah,
0: that, that really is the dream. Two buffs and Sutton. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's that's what the hope is. I mean, I know it's probably unwise to just be like, all we want is LaViska, Chennault. We don't really care. Like, probably they have other needs, but that'd be the dream. Um, I guess we'll move on. There's some other Broncos stuff, but we've talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, CU's football season came to the end. They uh finished five and seven. Same record as last year.
1: Uh, no bowl.
0: No bull, but I feel much better about this five and seven than last year's five and seven. Um they did start 5-0 and last year and then lose seven games. Away. Oh, you're right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, look, I think Mel Tucker has proven a lot this year. It's too bad they had that midseason losing streak because just one of those games and they get a bowl, which I feel like they deserved. Um, Steven Montez, the only, you know, bowl he was in was when Lufau was the quarterback, so it's too bad he ends his career without really getting to play in a bowl game. But I think, you know, like to see what they're building on also sort of in sad CU news, Mike Bobo is stepping down at CSU and he never beat CU or Boise state or air force or Wyoming and he's going to be gone. So that'll make it a little more competitive in those rivalry games for CSU.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's lucky to be stepping down having had a terrible,
0: um, rivalry record. Um, I am interested, we, the news just broke that he's stepping down right before this, what his buyout thing is, because that was the big thing standing in the way of him leaving. But they thought maybe 12,000 people went to their final game against Boise State, who's a good team. They, they really, it was a lose-lose. They're losing money by firing him because they have to get another coach, but they were going to lose money by keeping him. And I saw someone say, imagine the crowd of 12,000 people Next year for the Rocky Mountain Showdown, which will be in Fort Collins, it's the 12,000 CSU fans and the rest of it buffs. They, CSU did not want that.
1: No. I and mean, that's for whoever CSU's new coach will be and for Mel Tucker. It's going to just be really interesting um, seeing what their recruiting class is going to be like. And I think that's going to be... Is Mel Tucker... Even if, this, if CU doesn't become like a powerhouse in the Pac-12... Um, who are they, are they able to build a culture of progress where it felt like McIntyre hit a peak and then plateaued and we're at another five and seven season, but yeah, the team just looked better. But I think like LaVisca Chanel is going to be leaving. Um, Steven Montez,
0: Mustafa Johnson,
1: Mustafa Johnson, such a cool ass
0: Nate, Nate Landman, I think could leave. So they're, they're going to, their best players are going to be gone. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens. I do think I've heard CSU fans hint that they would love for McIntyre to be their new coach, which would be an interesting one. Um, CU has moved up to 20th in the rankings in basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, They're playing at Kansas this weekend. So big matchup against top five team. Um, I think it'll probably be CU's first loss of the season, but... To get to this point without a loss, pretty big deal for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, great. Uh, granted, it's all been less than stellar competition.
0: There have been uh, a couple games where they were it was at least close. It hasn't been like they're playing Loyola Marymount tonight. Yeah, It hasn't all been Loyola Marymount. They had to play um, Wyoming, who they're always bad against. I don't oh, think really? Wyoming's great. And then... Uh, they I'll played Clemson, and those were both in the Vegas tournament. They were down like 10 points in the last seven minutes against Clemson. Came back and win. Oh, so. well, let
1: me not talk. Um, <laughs> I just thought they would play in Sacramento State, and they got a win against yeah. Sacramento State. I'm like, great.
0: That was revenge for this game that I went to a long time ago, where they lost in football to Sacramento State. Uh, really bad team. <laughs> so, um, And then, just real quick, the Avalanche have finally got Miko Rantanen back. They should get Gabe Landeskog back this week, starting to get healthy. And right now they are in third place in the Central Division. And according to some projections, projected to be the top team in the West given their play. And that was without Landeskog, Rantanen, and a lot of other guys. Uh, their back-to-back against the Chicago Blackhawks was really a highlight. That was this weekend. Um, in Chicago on Friday, they won 5-2. to two. And then Rantanen returned, and they won 7-3 to three at home the next night. Really fun game. Rantanen had four points and only played the first two periods. And it's just fun to watch this team every night. Um, have, obviously, more to say about them going forward. Uh, Kale McCarr won Rookie of the Month. And the one fun controversy around all of this was the NHL released this promo that was, who are you going to vote as captain of the Central Division? Because they do four captains. They play a three-on-three tournament for the <laughs> All-Star game. The advertisement had four players. One of them was Nathan McKinnon, and one was Cale McCarr. And there was this panic, like, oh, no. Like, they're promoting both these guys. What if the votes cancel each other out? And so the ABS on Twitter were like, everyone vote for McKinnon. We'll make sure that Kale gets in. But it's kind of fun that in a division that has, you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tays, all the Nashville guys still and the blues the former stanley cup champions with the likes of ryan o'reilly the abs got two guys on the promo for the Mm. for the nhl so people are taking notice of kale and he's just doing things i've never really seen a defenseman do in the nhl especially so young um so it's going to be it's exciting and finally having that top line together will be a huge boost and hopefully um keep their scoring high across the league yeah, so
1: I'm just looking at this. I'm mad. The uh, avs are trailing the blues and the jets in the central, but they've played 3 less games. I hate scheduling sometimes and it just feels feels unfair to look at it like, well, of course they can't be the highest rank. They haven't played enough games
0: to match, but uh well, and you also look at those standings and you see the blues um are 18-5 and 6 and those 6 are the points that are there ahead of the avalanche they are currently eight points ahead of the abs but six of those points are the overtime loss point and the abs only have two of those mm-hmm. so they're really close in the standings the nhl standings are always frustrating but somehow through the street streak the abs are seven and three in their last 10 games and it's just great that they made it through november given what a hell month it was where they lost a player and all but Two of those games, <laughs> yes. or three of those games. Lord so. have mercy. Um, we're going to have a Denver Stories um, released sometime early next week, so look out for that. And then we'll be back with our regularly scheduled show next Thursday. Um, until then, I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. See ya.